This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I should say host and also realtors with Oakland Realty in Vancouver. And uh, man, do we have a great show today. We do. Daniel Foch, Nick Hill, host of the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. Yeah. And I'm so excited to have these guys on the program. We had them. Uh, they're from Toronto. They are. Uh, Nick is a mortgage broker. Daniel is a realtor. And I should say they flew all the way to BC mostly to engage some of their BC audience. Right. They did interview Chip Wilson. Uh, but I think NBD. they booked the flights to come to Coco Studios. Primarily just to do Wilson our show. I think Chip Wilson was secondary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they learned about Chip after they'd already booked the flights <laughs> is is from from the sounds of things. And and these guys, if uh, as Nick told me, he said, we're staying at the Shangri-La. And I said, wow, the podcast must be going so well. <laughs> and he said, no, we're sharing a room. So... Uh, <laughs> Who knows? But they these guys, they do exceptionally well. And they're you said, super... at least there's two beds. And you said, no, <laughs> not, not, not in this case. No, no, they, they had two beds apparently. But here's the thing. Great guys. Tons of fun having them on the program. Got to spend the afternoon with them. We're, uh, we're much better for it. And uh, yeah, we were on their show as well. Well, the cool thing I think was we kind of talk about on this episode what, what they're doing with their show. And it's yeah. different from ours. And how they're investing, what their investment thesis is, and all all the rest, right? And then we went on their show, and it's already been released, and our investment thesis is a little different. So it was like a full afternoon of engaging different ways of engaging real estate as an investment, a real estate market, where you're investing and why. It made for some for some interesting chat. And talking about how, you know, your thoughts on real estate and investing and the market has evolved over time, right? That was kind of a big theme in both conversations. Right. Fascinating guys, uh, really great guys to spend the afternoon with. So looking forward to this episode today. Matt, what else do we have before we cut to this conversation? We have a couple things. One is we are currently sponsored, as uh, as listeners will know, by Sea and Sky. That's a Blue Sky Boza project. Just wanted to let you know, they usually, they sponsor the Five Wire. Yes. Should note, they are now open for tours. Oh, So nice. if you've been listening to, to that going, yeah, but when is Parkside actually selling? When can I see this stuff? Because it's amazing. Go to hellosquamish.com to book a private tour. There's also an open house this coming weekend, April 22nd and 23rd. It's on the website, hellosquamish.com. Get the details for the open house. It's worth a drive up to Squamish or if you're in Squamish, pop and buy. You know, I wish I would have done something in Squamish when we started talking about Squamish uh, so many moons ago. But man, is that a market, eh? It's uh, it's it's phenomenal. I was in Squamish the other day and I I drove I drove through Bose's or Blue Skies. Yeah. This this project just to see how it's because they've been building in phases right yeah. just it, a weep in your car oh <laughs> yeah, just 
It's 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 an amazing amazing project. That's yeah, for sure. it, it's a yeah very exciting. We also should say um, we've got our new website. You can head over for sure. So many people signing up for the sold plan. I think you know it's been the inventory has been so tight, and uh, we talk a lot about that today. Talk about the Toronto market today a lot, which is kind of going through many similarities to our market. And the inventory has been so low, but I feel like there's definitely a buzz in the market right now. Things to be seems to be picking up. So if you are thinking about listing your property this spring, definitely head over, click uh, on sellers on the new site and download your own free Sell with us or help for sellers. Yeah. uh, And you get the sold plan. You get the sold plan. It's an immediate download straight into your inbox or there's a link there, I think. And uh, yeah, it will help you get started. A plan for sellers. Absolutely. But maybe Adam, we should cut to our talk with Daniel Foch and Nick Hill. I really enjoyed this one. This was uh, a lot of fun. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road, This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sonehouse, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sonehouse offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Nick Hill and Daniel Foch, podcasters and hosts of the Canadian Real Estate Investor. I should also say, Nick, you are a mortgage broker. Yep. And I Daniel, am. you are a realtor. Yeah, you're getting your compliance in there, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I also should say, Nick is how every guy that grows a mustache imagines they'll look, uh, but it never actually pans out that way. It's, uh, yeah, I had a mustache for a day and my wife was like, no. But Nick, I, it, you can I really pull it off. That. It's, uh, I appreciate I owe it all to my girlfriend. I think uh, second date, I shaved it as a as a joke. She was like, ah, she looks good. And then unfortunately, we we had our our podcast photo taken so now it's it's part kind of, of ingrained i can't yeah, i can't yeah. shave it now it's like part <laughs> of the brand and uh actually the meeting we had this morning the guy only recognized me he's like i knew that was your mustache i was like man <laughs> I'm more than just a mustache guys. Come lucky on. you didn't have like a cowboy hat on in the photo <laughs> come on <Yeah>. now <laughs> come on and nick you're you're bc born and raised I am. Yeah. I, uh, I, this is, this is always home for me. I've, I, uh, I've lived in Toronto for the past like 12 years and my family lives just outside of the city, but born and raised in Kitsilano and then lived, uh, lived on the North shore until about 12 years old and then moved back here twice in my kind of mid and early twenties. Unfortunately set roots down in Toronto and that's, you know, the center of the universe. So, uh, I I've stayed there for now, but 
the plan is to get back that's here a hard as often as a hard for now for sure like i'm still wondering if he's getting back on the plane when we leave <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've you probably, were saying, I've probably been almost annoying to dan because we're walking around i'm like look at this look at this look at this i mean yeah. it's just it's so beautiful here right so yeah although today's I was thinking, I don't know how much time you spend in Vancouver, but today's terrible. It's like January 3rd or something. Today, it feels like a fairly standard Vancouver day for, uh, you know, (laughs) rainy, gloomy, but whatever. And Daniel, you've been doing content a long time. We've been watching you on Twitter and uh, various spaces, and actually on spaces. Twitter spaces. Uh, Twitter spaces. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, and also, you've you've visited BC a number of times, but this is like one of your first time actually spending some real time in Vancouver. Is that correct? Yeah, I've only ever been here for like a day at a time. Like, I've never been here for a sustained period of time. So, I'm I'm actually really blown away. It's a beautiful city. I like that you can get in an Uber and like, go pretty much anywhere in like 15 minutes like toronto 15 minutes will literally get you nowhere yeah it's a small city right like like geographically really small yeah my brother-in-law came here last year and he like he's a runner and he was like yeah i ran everywhere oh my entire city yeah Yeah. it wasn't actually as far you know he's like i ran to ubc from east van and then it was like oh it was Six kilometers. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the fact checker is saying it's not six kilometers. Yeah. More like nine. More yeah. like nine. That's the, the TikTok comment. The kids <laughs> in the TikTok comment. Yeah. Yeah. One yeah. problem with a the podcast. Three kilometers. Yeah. Yeah, I qualify yeah, everything yeah. since TikTok. Uh, but uh, Daniel, sorry. Uh, you you are a real estate agent in, in uh, Toronto yeah. as well. You work like GTA? Yeah, most of the GTA. Although I feel like we're kind of just like, rep, like a lot of our... Now, I think we're getting a lot of investment clientele who want to be like all over the country. So we're referring deals out like coast to coast right now. Um, but I'll, I do a lot of buy and sell work in, in Toronto. I wouldn't be like a top producing, I guess I would be because it's a huge selection bias. It's not, it's not in your bio. No, yeah, I'm not a, not a, not a one percenter, but, uh, but you know, like I'm not, not by any means one of the, the big groups in, in the city, but I'd say maybe bigger in the content space, um, for agents in the GTA. So maybe I want to hear more about the, Canadian real estate investor, because you guys have been, you've shot up the charts. Yeah. You started, what, nine? Yeah, I think it's nine. Nine. Nine months yeah. ago. Yeah. You produce shows, what, twice a week? Tuesday and Friday. Often morning. without yeah. guests. Can you tell us a little bit about the show and and what the goals are? And why, if you're both in Toronto, did you think the Canadian real estate space? Yeah. Yeah, I think like the objective of the podcast is really, uh, we found that there was like, we were both podcasting before we got the opportunity to do this show, but there was a hole in the market where, you know, groups like yourselves are doing a really good job already on the inter- interview side of things. It's not like we really have like a unique voice to add to that mix as hosts. And the Canadian investor podcast, it was basically like a research based podcast of so two hosts, basically just going toe to toe on, you know, very specific research based episodes um, twice a week it's really an educational show. They reached out to us and they said, Hey, you know, we lo- we like what you're doing. We'd love to have you come on and, and do the Canadian real estate spinoff. That's our most requested spinoff show. And uh, they said, but you need a co-host. And I was like, well, yeah, this guy slid into my DMS like a couple of months ago or a year, year oh, ago. Yeah. And, and he was like, he was, seriously, he was like, he was like, yeah, I want to like just do content with you. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, it's a lot of work. So just you do that part and, and, uh, and I'll do, but, and, and Nick just absolutely crushed it and came out and really added a lot of value, became, equally or better of like a, you know, a, a speaker in the space than I did. And I mean, now, so I, so I obviously brought him on, that's why he's here. And, but, and he's, and he's really taken and made it his baby. And, and honestly, like doing the research, picking the topics, like, well, we cover everything from like really, really granular, like specific investment-based discussions, um, you know, like 
what's a cap rate versus a cash on cash return to, you know, what's a cap rate in Saskatoon versus Vancouver and why, and, you know, what are investment opportunities? And so, and nobody was really doing that. I don't think, at least not that we, we saw. And so I think that's why we were able to, to grow so quickly. It was just something unique that was added to the, to the space. Yeah. A lot of the, uh, inspiration came from bigger pockets, which I, which I owe a ton of my success to. I, I mean, I've probably been listening to them for the better part of a decade and it was always something I was looking for in the, in the Canadian space, right? Almost like a real estate education and by real estate, you know, I mean the umbrella of real estate, financing, investing, construction, architecture, design, all that good stuff, right? There was nothing out there that, that really covered it. So we, when we had this, you know, and we, the podcast we had before was called brick and mortar and it was awesome. We, we had people on and we interviewed them and we weren't really doing anything different. And the guests, the caliber of guests we had was great. And, and they're all friends of ours now, but it, it wasn't adding the value that, that I thought the the community needed. And, and I think that's why, you know, I can attribute our success to the fact that we spend hours and hours researching each episode so that you, the listener, you know, don't have to go out and do that. Hmm. So I'm just thinking in nine months, you've put together a lot of content. Are you, is there ever a fear that you're <laughs> running out of ideas? Like, you know, say like cap rate versus cash on cash. Yeah. It's like, all right, that's, those are like the ones where you're like, all right, in the first three weeks, like, I got, I got tons of ideas. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah. what are we going to do? Are you doing, is it, have you shifted gears in nine months and do you foresee like three years down the line? Is yeah. it like, we're going to do deep dives on like Moncton? And do yeah. across the country that way, or or what are your what are yeah, your that, thoughts there? That's like within the scope of things that we want to do um, eventually, because I think like one of our goals is actually to like if you look at the U.S., the way that the real estate market functions there, like there's so much city to city referral, there's so much long distance investing, like the flow of capital is eons ahead of where we're at mm -hmm. in Canada, and we don't. I, I don't know if it's just an infrastructure problem, but also an education problem. Like in the U.S., like everybody knows every other city, like. My theory here is that it's because of sports teams. Like, that's why I think I, I really think it's like because they know because you have like, you know, uh, your your teams play your baseball team yeah. playing another. So, you yeah. know, the names of all of these cities. But so, the other thing is, we just literally had uh, Byron Chard, who uh, is the CEO and president of local development company here this morning. And he was saying he said the exact same thing, but he was saying that the the. The idea of being a lifelong renter in the U.S. and mobility and being able to pick up and move for a job opportunity is is just more ingrained in the culture. And actually, they're developing their their purpose built rental with that idea of kind of shifting the culture a little bit in Canada. Yeah. So maybe it has to do with just a culture of of movement. Move, I don't know people uh, that move but, a lot. Yeah. But he mobility. was saying. I yeah, think that or that's even like class mobility too. Like you have di a huge disparity in like the top and bottom of the economy there, and like I think everybody want like the, America sells you the fact that you can get to the top. Yeah, and that I think that the physical mobility is part of that too. Yeah, because his point was Canada is much more rooted in place and much more rooted with the idea of of owning in yeah. that place and yeah. not being mobile. So anyway, it's just interesting. I think we are going through our like rental renaissance in Canada right now, though. Like I think that you're getting the acceptance and I think every country is going through that phase of their cycle, looking at like you, what's happening in Europe right now, like as we speak, like people like raiding the Black, BlackRock offices in Paris and stuff. But I think a lot of that's because their pension system is failing because they're two generations ahead of us. 
in that that long term life cycle of a munis- or of a, of a country. Canada is like I think maybe one generation behind the U.S. and the U.S. is going in their major home ownership decline, getting to that renters economy. If you look at France, if you look at Germany, m- many of these more you know like comparable to Canada economies, but in Europe, they went through their huge immigration boom, mm. you know, fifty to hundred years ago, and now and and so they went through that huge increase in value most of their economy got away from home ownership and more into investment and institutional ownership of property and now they're renters economies the us is further along that line than we are and we're kind of just getting onto that major downward trajectory in home ownership mm. and you see it like when we when we talk to the development community a lot of them are talking about that they have planned buildings apartment buildings like market rentals that are going to be lifestyle driven buildings, right? Like really, really fantastic rental buildings with gyms and great amenities and everything. But the idea is for lifelong renters. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I've never really thought of that kind of long durée of yeah. like, here's where we're at. Like that's almost like a Ray Dalio type idea. Yeah, it would be like, exactly. yeah. or the, like the fourth turning might be like a better way uh, to look at it would be like social cycles right yeah i don't know if you read that book but it's a really no. cool book chip don't, wilson's don't, favorite book don't actually. take that because that's i was going to use that as my favorite wait yeah. <laughs> wait it's chip wilson's favorite book yeah. as well yeah i, I learned like, he told me that and, and we li- we listened to the audio book because i've been telling him for years like you have to listen to this or watch this or read this book sorry the fourth turning and then he was listening to one of chip's interviews before we interviewed him and and he's like Oh, it's Chip Wilson's favorite book as well. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. So it's I've, a, an I've incredible been book. I've to it nonstop since then, <laughs> just to catch up. But yeah, so they map like cycles based on the characteristics of the generation that is running the world at that time. Super, super interesting stuff. And like an eerie book to read because it was written in like 97, I think. And uh, he predicted like 80% of the things that are happening, like to the point where it's strange. Like, yeah. With like, Russia, keep the tinfoil in, in the drawer. It's like not conspiracy, not conspiratorial yeah. whatsoever. It's just really scarily accurate because he just goes back and places these cycles on like a hundred year cycles. And if you trace it back, you know, it happened in the 1900s, the 1800s, all the way back to Europe. And, and it was just based on the span of a human life. That's yeah. why it happens. Cause like, it's like your, our parents' generation were a certain way, you know, fine. Like, financially, socially, whatever, and then their kids grow up to, like, maybe want to be different than them or, you know, like, cer- certain parents are, like, or generations are, like, warriors and some are artists and whatever, and it, it creates these cycles. Super crazy stuff. I'm not explaining it properly, but just definitely read it. Well, there'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, for sure. <laughs> I, I'm actually curious. So, but placing Canada in that timeline, is that, and I want, I have even a going back further, but is that why you guys are interested in investing in real estate? <laughs> like what got you interested in real estate in the first place? Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it was like, I just was raised in real estate. And and so it was your, your family, you have a, 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 a real estate team that is yeah. your family team. Yeah. 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 I did before I switched over to rare, but yeah, my fam- my family business is, wasn't in, in, or still is in real estate. Like my brother's in the development space. My, both my parents, my dad is on like the development uh, land brokerage side and my mom sells residential property. So I, and I honestly, when I was growing up, I wanted nothing to do with it. But then eventually, like I, I have kind of like a crazy background. But um, I was like it, working in on traveling uh, Canada, working on horse farms, and then I, the farm that I was at got hit by a tornado. And then I uh, got conscripted to the Swiss Army because I'm half Swiss. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go do that. And then after I was in Switzerland, I was like, okay, I should probably take life seriously and went to university. And Holy did, wait did a second! Undergrad. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. I always, I always try and go through it quickly because yeah. that's, uh, yeah. That's, I got that's conscripted. The, and that's the rest of the podcast. Yeah. Buckle, buckle in. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. 
And then, and so I, I, sorry, the so horse farm thing, yeah, yeah. Did, but you grew up in the you GTA. Know, yeah, yeah. But I used to like work in like ring crew and like hunter jumper, uh, horse, like just, just like, well, chasing pretty girls around a farm and picking up like, ri- like the, the rails that they knocked down on, uh, horse shows. Like that's what I did. I was like, and I probably would have been fine doing that for the rest of my life, honestly. Wow. Yeah. When I, that was like out of high school, but still I was like, that was my plan. What are your thoughts on Yellowstone? Yeah, I was going to say everything Matt show. knows yeah. about uh, it. Definitely made me more bullish on land. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> so actually, but can we chart that? So, so it sounds like you, one of the few people who we've ever had on the podcast that actually has seemingly fought against real estate. Yeah. Um, and then kind of came back to it. Yeah. Like I just, I think like it was just a typical young kid, like didn't want anything to do with what their parents right. did. And then eventually like, I just was really immersed in like the physical labor world. Like it went from like working on a farm to being in the army in a foreign country. And then after that, I was like, okay, yeah, like maybe I should use my brain, you know, like I probably, this probably isn't sustainable. Like doing like 70 kilometer hikes in the mountains with like backpacks on in Switzerland will do that to you. Yeah. 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 You you came home ready to embrace the family business. Yeah, for sure. I did. (laughs) (laughs) So Nick, tell us about you. I I have not. (laughs) What what army did you join? (laughs) So Kit Solano, eh? Uh, Yeah. No, no no conscription there. um, Fortunately. Yeah, no, I'm born and raised in Vancouver. Um, don't come from a real estate background. You know, dad's a teacher, mom's a social worker, but I'd always had a drive to be an entrepreneur. I've started several small businesses through the time. Actually, my first business ever was actually in Vancouver. Uh, we went international in six months. It was called Disposable Camera Project, where this is pre-Instagram. So we'd buy disposable cameras, put them in a bag and have a laminated paper attached to it that said, take the, take, take the camera take a picture, put the camera back and find your photos on this website. Um, So kind of like an Instagram for places before that really happened. It was really cool. It was, uh, you know, we ended up being in, I think, 12 cities and six countries within like six months, had like international volunteers everywhere. What wasn't making money was eating like one meal a day to keep it going. Um, But I just always had a drive to, to be my own boss and to be creative so I've been, you know, creating content and, and trying to start businesses for a long time. Got into commercial real estate. Actually, I went to school after university. I went to school for construction engineering management. So spent a few years on construction sites and then wanted to, you know, blend my love of business and, and kind of get off of the construction site and the physical labor aspect. I was a, a project coordinator, but spent a little bit of time in commercial real estate and then several years in business development, putting projects together downtown Toronto. And then... uh Bought my first duplex and it, the rest was kind of history. It was, it was, you know, dove in head first. And, uh, that was probably about four years ago, linked up with Dan, maybe six months after buying my first property. And it's just been, uh, crazy ever since. When you say bought a duplex, like you bought like a full, full duplex or one yeah. side of it? No, yeah. full so, duplex. Yeah. So, so like, the did you guys have, uh, I guess you like the half duplex here is, I guess, I guess we call those semi-detached and. Yeah, so we would do like you can buy full duplex, right? So this year, is, this is a standalone very, standalone property with two units inside. With two it. units, yeah. So yeah. kind of the bigger pockets, kind of house hack. Like I didn't, I didn't live in it. Um, I well, you didn't, live yeah. In it. So I, I, I haven't really house hacked, but uh, I've, I've just kind of been living. I went back and lived at home for a little bit to to fund that. I'd sold another business that I had started importing. Um, hand sanitizer type stuff during the, during the early days of the pandemic sold that. And that was able to fund a few other properties that I bought. So I ended up convincing my parents to go in on a few properties with me. And then, 
ended up meeting Dan and, and the group that we, you know, buy a lot of properties with now. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. Nice. Yeah. And where are you guys buying properties? Is the, po- is the po- no, but is the pod <laughs> is the podcast kind of a you know really useful kind of component to that no, project I, of acquiring it was property we were doing it we were doing the, the acquisition was, yeah like we definitely recently has. were in a bidding war against a uh, I don't know oh, somebody so, that listened yeah, to the podcast yeah, yeah somewhere so yeah. I don't know yeah it's it's I think it we hyped up certain markets that yeah. like that we're active in that anyway so I, I it's probably on the investment side i think it's like inbounded some some deals for us but it hasn't i think for for tra- transaction side it's helped a lot obviously right yeah and like our goal really is to become leading advisors in like we we say on the show like our goal is to train the next generation of real estate investors and like millennials we're in like a very broken time in canadian real estate i think like almost going through a counter cyclical event like what happened in the 90s where like Boom, a lot of boomers hate real estate. They're afraid of investing in real estate because of what happened in the 90s. Or they don't want any debt on anything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and are very afraid of leverage and stuff like that. And, and a lot of Canadians, and you guys are no stranger to this here, you know, in the GTA, it's like everyone thinks that real estate investing means you buy something and sell it two years later for, you know, a 30% lift. Or it's broken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so and when we're like, you know, bare bones, like cash flow, you know, like properties that have a cap rate or like a good cap rate in a good, in a good market will still appreciate in value along the same thing, but you'll also get cash flow in the meantime. So very just like, you know, rule number one, investing Warren Buffett style value investing. So our, it's been helpful for us to accumulate clients, but it hasn't been, has not been helpful. I don't think to get us like people sending us deals. We've got like one or two, the guy was like, like somebody was like, oh, I'll give you guys a great VTB on this like property. Cause I really just want to sell it to you. And I was like, wow, like it's not a good, really a good deal. Right. So, but sure. I think in the fullness of time, it'll probably. And are you guys doing residential or commercial or both? Yeah. So just like small multi-family. Yeah. Small yeah, multis. All multifamily okay. stuff. I mean, the goal is to diversify into, into just about everything, but you know, all in good time. Right. And, and can we talk a little bit, like, has your outlook on real estate investing changed since you started the podcast? I'd, I'd say for sure. I think getting a better understanding of Canada has has helped that uh, primarily. And and I think that's come with talking to people across the country, right? Take, fielding calls from, from small town East Coasts, right? Like the Monktons of, of the world and even smaller. And talking to people in Victoria, we just had a guy reach out for construction finding from financing from the Yukon. So really getting a better understanding of what Canada looks like from it, from coast to coast. And then also getting a better understanding of what America does with real estate and how they look at it and kind of comparing. So, I mean, my passion for real estate, my drive to own property and, and to create, you know, housing and, and all that kind of stuff that hasn't changed. I think the overall understanding of what real estate is in Canada and and the problems that we face across the country, that's, if anything, it's just propelled us, I think, to to work harder and, and you know, try to fix some of the blatantly broken things that we have. My, the only thing that changed for me as a result of having the podcast is that like, it's given me a greater sense of accountability to the principles that I talk about. Like before it was like easy to kind of like talk yourself in, like if you really like fall in love with a piece of dirt and you're like, oh yeah, like it's a shit deal, but like I still buy, want to buy it. Right. Yeah. And then now it's like, I can't cause like people are watching me, you know, like I have to do good investments at all yeah. times. That's interesting. Cause we, this was, and again, it's a conversation we had this morning. But I'm curious to hear your take on it because one point we were talking about with uh, with Byron was 
he said, you know, you have to be excited about a deal. Yeah. Like you have to, he's like, it's part of the entrepreneurial spirit. Like he was talking about how he started developing a hotel in Victoria. And he's like, I, I just got excited about hotels yeah. and then, you know, it all worked its, its way through. And I liken that to, to real estate investing where I was in Port Moody on the weekend and I was like, man, I just really like Port Moody. Right. And, you know, and he was like, yeah, you got to trust your gut. But it sounds like you're actually saying the opposite. Well, you, you don't trust your gut in as much as if it doesn't pencil and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like a distinguishing between like gut is one thing. And but then there's like that. I don't know. Like there's certain deals that they're just like ego. Right. Right. Like, well, really I, and maybe yeah. to rephrase it, I when I was explaining to him, I was like, it's hard. You know, you think like homeowners, emotional investors, no emotion. Yeah. But for me, it's actually it's very hard to separate. Like when you fall in love with a piece of dirt, yeah. you fall in love with a piece yeah, of dirt. Yeah, I right? think developing is different too because like you have, there's work. Like to appreciate the value, the money that's made in development is not- And you got to show up to work all, yeah. every day, day in and out. Yeah. And it's a project. seven year project. Yeah. yeah. Year, right? Yeah. So if you're not excited about it- Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like developing road, is the yeah. job. Whereas of, if you buy a triplex in yeah. Edmonton- yeah. You shouldn't be excited to go visit that thing very often. Yeah. <laughs> or put in a lot of work. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to everyone in Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> well, not even Edmonton, but like, I, don't, I mean, most of the stuff that we purchase, it's like, it would be like one of the reasons why I stopped buying stuff in beyond price because the GTA is just ridiculous and you can't really find things that, that make sense financially. When I was in close proximity to assets that I owned, I would like go check, like obsess over them, like mm -hmm. and just check on them all the time. And a lot of people don't really like realize that that's like a huge problem in, in, this in this industry like if you're if you're buying a bunch of like everybody wants to be in a local community they understand and they can see the asset and whatever but like it's i actually think it's a disadvantage rather than an advantage because it's forcing you to like have it as something that you can be there touch and feel and not thinking of it as a business that can be somewhere else that you that can run it systematize yeah. exactly do, do you think you're uh do you think you're at an advantage sometimes by not lo knowing a local market or being and, and the reason i say this is because i there's a guy in the office here that we work with who grew up in, in Vancouver and, and he actually grew up in, in Burnaby. And Matt and I didn't grow up in the lower mainland, but sometimes we talk about how it's almost a superpower to not have the stigma associated right. yeah. that people have. With like, like for me, early 90s Burnaby. Yeah, with early 90s Burnaby. Like he doesn't want to invest in Edmonds because he got his hat stolen there when yeah. he was a teenager, right? <laughs> and he thinks it's a shithole or whatever. Yeah. And where Matt and I, you know, it's like Edmonds is beautiful. Because we look at it all like from a totally different lens, yeah. right? And do do you feel like there's there's some superpower in in maybe not knowing a region? I think it helps you to approach it with a beginner's mind, so you focus on like the right things. Like I think you have to learn a municipality, right? Like you sure. really need to learn the market. But I think it's if you have a preconceived notion about it, you kind of like you look at it through a different pair of glasses than you would when you're studying it than you would if you didn't know anything about it. So so yeah, I would say it's it it can be a blessing and a curse. I would say. Talk about your process in going into a new market. Sure. Do you want to go? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say. Oh, wait, hold on. Let's talk about finding the market first. Yeah. Let's yeah. about Let's how back up to finding, find, a finding it and then going into it. Yeah, so like the two, the two, for me, it's pretty simple. Like I, I really look at growth, like because Canada, the big driving factor in the growth of income, so rent and the growth of value is is people. So how, how quickly is the municipality growing? Because you can buy in areas where population is growing at far greater magnitudes than you're seeing. Like everyone's like, oh, everyone who immigrates moves to the GTA. It's like, well, yeah, but the GTA is already massive. So from a proportional perspective, the growth there is actually much smaller than it might be in places like Saskatoon, as an example, or 
certain areas like, you know, the, like the northern um, northern Ontario or, or northern and rural communities pi- immigration pilot program is a great example of municipalities that are literally have literally some municipalities have literally doubled in size as a result of immigration. Not to say that there's like, a, but so so understanding that 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 can create growth. So that sustainable employment, and then really just like what are the returns like, and th- they're all kind of derivative of one another. So it's like growth employment and returns. And so, and we really just look at, to compare markets side by side, I just look, kind of look at the cap, average cap rate, or I, I even just go even looser than that and just take the rent in that municipality divided by the average house price in that municipality. And that kind of says to me, okay, this is like the best and worst ones. Yeah. I have a ranking system and okay, now it's worth, I know it's worth looking at, looking for assets in Saskatoon because the cap rates are like that, that metric, that rent to, to price ratio is good there. You're looking at like a gross cap, like looking at like annual rent, divided by the cost of the purchase. Yeah. 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 For the whole market. Just yeah. just to give you a sense and yeah, then you exactly. dig deeper. Yeah. But but even okay, nuts and bolts on that. So you're thinking, all right, let's explore I don't know, Saskatoon and Manitoba. How are you where are you finding the rents? Where are you find and you're just going on MLS and and doing those kind of back of the napkin yeah, numbers? So, yeah. So you kind of just rely on data and and just like hope that it's accurate to be yeah. honest. Like so rental data is tough because it's like, it's pretty bouncy and there's really no effective aggregator. Like the guys who I think are doing probably the best in that space right now would be rentpanda.ca. I'm not sure if you know them, but they, they put out a really, really, they, they started as a monthly, but I think they're moving to a quarterly because the, the data is too bouncy on a monthly, mm. monthly basis. But we've done reads of their report on the show and people love it. Like they're, they're just like the, the data anyway. So, so I use them as the, that rent input and then I use, and Canadian. they literally will have just not to cut you off, but yeah. like Gladstone, Manitoba. Or no, wherever. <laughs> like, are you no, like, how are they, they kind they of 21 like the, municipalities? Coast I, I thought, like, yeah, 30, 30, 30 major. <laughs> They're like eight people. That? My heart. All right, it's yeah. a little is small. that a real space? But I mean, <laughs> it's actually Happy Rock. Uh, <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. so <laughs> it's a good joke, actually. <laughs> hey, everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out. Starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually. In those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. 
if you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. So, so, okay, sorry. Continue. Yeah, no, just, all, yeah. So I noticed you uh, Canadian Real Estate Association house price index as yeah. an example. Like as long as it's a uniform data point, I just need to see how it changes month over month and like, and where and how different places compare. Cause it does change like regularly, right? Like, and you can start saying, oh, this market's a little bit inefficiently priced as an example. And mm-hmm. this, okay, maybe I should be looking to invest there or send investor clients there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and in terms of growth, I'm just thinking of somebody listening that's yeah. like, all right, I, I'm, Keen to hear about this, you know, yeah. where these communities are growing. How are you sourcing that data? Uh, Statcan has like Statcan. all the, yeah, yeah, yeah. like population growth, um, uh, wage can, growth, employment growth. Yeah, you uh, can find just about everything you need to online from, I mean, mm-hmm. MLS. So these are literally Google searches that you've yeah, just yeah. figured yeah. out all right. Yeah. Aggregate, the there's no a ton of Google yeah, I search, wish I could yeah. pay wallet and charge people. <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's literally just hard, hard research work, yeah. right? Like, I mean, for me, when I, chose the markets that I was going to invest in. And now that we've heavily invested in, it was the first, the first thing for me was barrier of entry, right? Like Ontario is very expensive as well. So where can I go get a good price per door with a good cap rate? I wasn't going to be, I wanted to be a cash flow investor as well. And I, you know, we stand by that. I think, especially for new investors, cash flow is, is so key. If you, you know, if you're just in investing to, to have the major uptick in, in price, You've you've gotten screwed in the last little while, right? It, it might have worked for a little bit, but cash flow over over time is is key. And then from there, you just you know once you find a market where you can actually get into it, then you just start going to work and looking at all the other stuff. And I mean, Facebook Marketplace, Kijiji, Rent Panda, Rentals.ca. There's a ton of information you can aggregate and build your own thesis out of that, right? Um, on and then, the, sorry, while you're on Facebook marketplace and Kijiji, like one, one of the things is like, I, I, and this is an exercise that I often encourage people to do when they're trying to decide on a market is like, put up a, a dummy ad yeah. on like Kijiji or Facebook marketplace and see who you get as tenants. Like, is that a good fit for you? Are you happy with the number of applications? Are you happy mm-hmm. with the type of tenants? Yeah. If you're getting four calls a day, you're probably in the right yeah. price point. Try yeah. like 200. Yeah, yeah. sure. If you're, yeah. 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 It's crazy. And then the other thing is like to you know, once you've found that market, what, what I did is I, I went in and looked high and low for people that were already investing there and try, I mean, you're never going to find a market where other, where other investors haven't found already, not, not in Canada, not at this point. So pick a market that, that works for you, that, that works for the return metrics that you're focused on and go start talking to other people there. And, and for me, you know, we, the closest property I own is, is about two hours away and the furthest is about four um, and that four hour market, we, we own probably about 30, 30 plus property or 30 plus doors. Sorry. You know, you gotta, you gotta get up there and, and build a power team. So you can long distance invest, but you gotta, I mean, you don't have to go there immediately, but take a, take a tour on, on Google earth and, and literally just, you know, cruise the streets <laughs> virtually. And, uh, but you're finding, are- you're looking for people in the community. So you're, you're. You're isolating certain communities you think are going to work. Yeah. And then you're looking for somebody investing in that at, to, to connect with, as I understand. And just and just to pull as much information from from them, right? So do that and then go and, and then always try to make a, an investor-focused realtor connection. 
contractors and handymen can also be great assets, right? Like, hey, you guys are working for landlords or on other properties. We've gotten deals by contractors and handymen literally being like, hey, there's, you know, this guy mentioned he wants to sell. Boom, an off-market deal just lands on your lap. Are you guys burring or are you basically just buying? <laughs> we did an episode on why the burr method doesn't work in Canada anymore. So we're yeah, not, we're not burring. It's yeah. a tricky one, right? Well, it's just like the input and output formula is broken, save for like maybe, I don't know, like 30% of the housing stock in Canada, you could probably burr, which would be like your really small markets. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we know a couple of guys that are successfully doing it in, in parts of Edmonton and actually all over uh, Alberta, but I think you'd be hard pressed to get a successful burr anywhere in Ontario or, or British Columbia, at least now. I mean, I'm not saying six months ago or or maybe who knows, six months from now, depending. Yeah, but, but construction costs are just so inflationary. Yeah. I do think that like and we did we did actually like so so there is like maybe an asterisk with that that goes like with with uh, and something that we want to talk to you guys about when we have you on our show is density policy, right? Mm-hmm. And Ontario right now is making it so you can add a unit to almost every, you can duplex almost everything in the province. And then I think BC, I think EB mentioned that yesterday, maybe. Or, yeah, or well, sorry, yeah, or, or yeah, yeah. suites in every, yeah. every house across the province. Yeah. yeah, and so I do think that there will be a renaissance period for small investors to add units, and that's probably going to be the next decade. And so the, I, I think we'll get to the point where there is a burr or a new modified burr, but it has to be adding units. You're developing property at a small scale, basically. What about uh, building the team? Can we kind of flesh that out a bit as well? Yeah, so yeah. you're so you're presumably you're going into these markets now. You've done the research. You know that the cap rates are there. You know that um, you should have no problem given the vacancy rate based on maybe a, a dummy ad. Now you got to build a team and you want to buy something. So where do you start? I you know real estate to me is such a a relationship business, right? It's relationships with your team members, relationships with your tenants. I really enjoy building relationships with people. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love doing what we do is we get to work with the people that we want to. So if you're going to look for a new market, you know, start sliding into DM, start making phone calls, start taking people out for coffee, get over to whatever that area is. I mean, unless you're literally, you know, in Vancouver and you're trying to invest in Moncton, but seriously, it might be worth a flight out there to go and spend some time. It's easy to to build a team of people just by, you know, calling a contractor, calling a realtor and putting people together. But is that going to be the right team for you? And I mean, I think it comes in in time. And I think it also comes in trying to line up your ethics and investing principles with those people. I also have a theory that, you know, the first few times you work with someone, don't negotiate they, with contractors, especially, right? The contractors where we are hate working with investors because they come in, they get quoted $100,000 for a basement conversion. And the people are like, okay, well, I'll give you 65. You know, I, I, I did never, like, I never negotiated hard with my contract for the first little bit. Now he's brought me deals. He's do, done me a ton of favors, right? And sure. he's introduced me to multiple other people that have now become really key parts of our, of our power team in, in certain markets. So it's just like anything. It's just building, building relationships, be, be the good person and, you know, be, be forthcoming with, uh, and honest with what you're trying to do. And I think it just, you know, maybe I'm just lucky, but it kind of seems to come naturally a little bit. So where are the opportunities? I know you guys talk about opportunities on, on your show, but, and it sounds like if I understand, so you guys are in the GTA, you're where you're investing is primarily within Ontario, four or five hours. Secondary tertiary market. Yeah. Yeah. So some like Northern Ontario stuff and then Eastern Ontario. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Can you name names? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so we do a lot in like rural Sudbury and then um, like Cornwall, Ottawa area. Yeah. Peterborough. Yeah. I think that, that those are like the kind how, of how did those markets, How did yeah. those markets perform over COVID? Did they see the spikes yeah, like I mean, everywhere? Yeah. Yeah, they did for sure. Like I think a lot of this, like the drive till you qualify factor got crazy in Ontario. Well, it became a fly till you qualify factor at a certain point. Like yeah. that's why Calgary blew up. That's why Halifax blew up. Like that yeah. major immigration outflows. I mean, a lot of people moved to BC at the for, at the very beginning of COVID, and then BC got overpriced. So it was like, well, it was always like overpriced here. But a lot of people going to like more rural areas in BC, kind of like the COVID getaway folk. Um, but that that ended pretty quickly, and the outflows for people who are more practical reasons were like a lot of people going to Calgary, a lot of people going to Halifax from Ontario. Hmm. Um, and same, same thing happened in affordable municipalities in Ontario. So it was just figuring out how to choose which ones we saw potential for there. We've been talking about this a lot lately, but the idea of like everybody fleeing the downtown area, going to the suburbs and or to the tertiary markets. And then now the, a lot of people, the argument was that they'll come back after yeah. COVID, but what we're seeing here, at least in the valley or in the you know the suburbs in, in in Metro Vancouver, is that they seem to be really busy markets still. Um, there was definitely a, there I feel was like some, in the there slowdown, it really slowed down there. Like it kind of dropped off a cliff where Vancouver is still kind of chugging yeah. along. Where it seems but to be like now that market's busy again. Back. Yeah, it's busy. Again. Are you finding those markets that were kind of driven by so your your Sudburys or are, are you finding that they're still busy now or are there opportunities like are there has there been some downward pressure on pricing? There was downward pressure pretty much everywhere in Ontario. Mm -hmm. Like we saw that we, we led the charge heading out of February of last year. Right. I think Ontario's down, some markets in Ontario are down over 20% year over year. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, nationally we're down over 18%. And I think there's, there's some markets in Ontario that were down like upwards of 30, 40%. Yeah, at some point. But, but, and we were definitely from out here watching Toronto, at least in my mind, there was like, yeah. Looks like blood in the streets, and, yeah. when, and it was like you guys were ahead. You were yeah. leading the charge for yeah, sure, for at sure. least as a, as far as I. Like, it's yeah. not hard to lead the charge when one in four Canadians live in the GTA. Yeah, right? well, and also, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and also, like everyone was just so levered up, like that. As soon as interest rates changed, it pulled buying power right out of the market. Like it was instant. Very credit act. dependent market as well, right? right? And yeah. everyone's investing for major equity, big money moments, refinances, sells. You know, no one, no one was investing for cash flow, and like everything was cash flow negative. But no one cared because you'd lever up and sell and 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 kill it. But you know, interest rates mm -hmm. change, and the market changes, sentiment changes, and that's gone completely. What happened? Because I mean, this is I mean, it's a familiar story um, for us. But the the big thing about here and I think maybe why we didn't see, you know, twenty percent drops in in pricing is our inventory dried up almost overnight. Right, and we've often likened it to the fact that you know there's just so much equity in this market that when the market's not performing, people just don't sell. Yeah, some people have to, right? Yeah. What happened with inventory in, in Same GTA? Thing. It's a yeah. it's a similar story, similar, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, the interesting thing is a lot of those homeowners in, in both Toronto and Vancouver own their homes free and clear. Sure. Right. A lot of like the, the expensive ones, right. The British properties, the, the Rosedales in Toronto and whatnot, like they're not worried about it and they're, they're not, they don't need to sell. Right. So that's why I think, you know, people, 
got addicted to transacting because they, you know, their neighbor just sold for a million dollars more than they expected. Yeah. And I think if you assume like just statistically, like 3% of the housing stock apparently turns over in a year. So, you know, if price is correct to pre-COVID, you only have three years worth of people who are in a a high risk position, assuming that they all used, you know, greater than 70% leverage. Let's say like your average leverage point is 80%. I mean, anybody who bought before then, which is we know statistically the majority of people has a ton of equity padding, like you're saying. Like, there's mm-hmm. so much equity out there mm-hmm. that like takes a huge decline or a sustained period of economic strain to create financial stress that's significant enough to flood the market with inventory. Right. The question is like whether or not we see that. And I, I don't I don't know. Like my guess would be, yeah, I think we're gonna see a recession this year. Until we saw the record immigration numbers, I would have said it was probably gonna be a pretty bad one. But now it seems like kind of going to maybe potentially prop things up. Unemployment, like we just hit an, an, another unemployment miss, yeah. like they, what they were over <laughs> I know. three or four times. Morning, yeah, right? 4X the anticipated employment. Like if people aren't losing jobs, if inflation's getting under control, which like who knows, and if rates are not moving up anymore, which they might have to if, if they can't f- fix this employment challenge. But still, like there's, to me, like we might actually get that soft landing that they mm-hmm. hoped for. And I, and I literally would have never said that two months ago. And, and we just, I mean, before we push record here, you know, prices are up this month from last month in, in Metro Vancouver, yeah. uh, in most markets, Ontario most sub markets well. well, no, and yeah, and, and across and, the board, and across the board types. um, we are seeing multiples on a ton of product right now. Um, you're kind of saying the same thing same about GTA, right? Yeah. So, so we're seeing, and so is this, is this something that's a, a temporary spike? Do you see it? At, or do you see this as like a spring market? I think it's, I think that's what it is. I think we're back to like seasonal cyclicality. I think people want the bottom to be in, but I don't, I, don't, I mean, I just think like if you, if you examine past housing cycles, like the, I just don't understand how we could possibly have a world in which everybody's credit costs double, like everybody's interest rate doubles minimum at a minimum. And all of a sudden the market goes back to what it was when like in order for prices and volume to be what they were in February of last year, you need interest rates to be what they were in February of last year or, or all other economic conditions to be the same. Like we have the immigration, we have the employment, but rates, the capital cost is just not there and wages haven't gone up enough to substantiate these prices. So I think like from my perspective, the market should trade sideways for several years. I don't think that there's much more downside. I did think that there was probably another five to 10% that you could see grinded down in certain markets. But I think we're kind of in that sideways trajectory now after the big drop. We saw a worse drop than we, like the we the, the dr- price drop that we just saw year over year is the worst drop we've ever seen in Canadian history. Right. Well, yeah. And we're, and, and sales have been below 3,000 here, I think, for yeah, the I mean, last eight months. It's like dropped by 50% yeah, so and over, yeah, yeah. and we haven't seen that more than a decade, right? That yeah. type of. No, yeah. The volume is, is low is, volume. Yeah. And that's what's killing people in this industry. Like, Real estate professionals in Toronto are like in really, really. Let's dire talk about that. Yeah, blood in the street, but maybe yeah. not in the yeah. it, not not when it comes to people selling, yeah. but uh, the real estate industry. Yeah, I mean the owners aren't the ones suffering. Like it's it's people in you know in our profession that are looking at they they all went out and got the Porsche and the and the sick house and the cottage that they're you know cash negative Airbnb or started, whatever started and, teams took out billboards yeah, yeah like it, right yeah and 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 so all of these things happened and then and they were making the assumption that they were going to make you know the the or the volume that we saw in 2020 and 2021 was sustainable and now all of a sudden it volume and do, total dollar volume which is really what matters is down like 60% in the GTA so yeah if you take like peak, like the num the amount of commission that the market would have given out, 
we're literally less than 50% of that now. So yeah. the er- earnings, if, if nothing else changes, the amount of money that you're going to make as a realtor this year versus last year is 50% of what it was. I think to be in the top 10% of agents in, in Metro Vancouver right now, I think it's about three or four deals and we're almost, you know, we're, right. we're approaching yeah, we're neighbors. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Q1, right? So yeah. it's like, it, it's remarkable, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 No, yeah. So. There's this funny story, this, uh, this girl we know won an award for top agent of the month or some top agent of Q1 or something like that. And she's like, I did one deal yeah. and I'm winning an award for doing one deal. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating that, you know, Toronto is, is probably a horrible example for this in on a global scale because the average real estate agent in Toronto, which is 76,000 of them does 1.6 transactions a year, right? So if you're thinking the average house in Toronto, 25, 76, yeah, yeah. Most realtors per capita in the so, world. So I, think like wow. million, I think we're at around 14,000, right? I think we're 15, right? 15, yeah. 15. Yeah. So, I mean, like nothing, right? Well, we like, always talk about have... how many agents, like how there's too many agents. But then again, like we talked about BC fits into a corner of Ontario. So yeah. it's not really, but yeah, 76,000 is significant. It, it's That's it's a lot crazy. of real estate yeah. professionals. And, and I mean, but the thing is, you know, professionals might not be the best way to describe a lot of them, unfortunately, <laughs> right? And, and I'm, I'm sorry to the people I offend, but I mean, if you... If you're doing 1.6 deals a year, even if you're doing two deals a year, what are you what are you doing? Yeah. How right? many in Ontario do you have to? Can you have like a license and sell part time? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 That's okay, prob- that's, that's the what, same as BC. Most, Certain provinces, most I understand, of them do. you can't really. You can't be. Yeah, really I job. think yeah. Uh, yeah. like if I'm not mistaken, like Manitoba and some other provinces and don't, maybe don't quote me on this, but you actually can't have a license and, huh. uh, you don't have a certain so here, volume. you know, you can drive an Uber, you can sell four yeah. homes a year, you yeah. can do yeah, whatever well, you want, get the side leads. hustles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about opportunities. Um, yeah, I was curious in your, in your nine months of doing your show and research, presumably you're talking about, so you're investing in Ontario you're talking about markets outside, Wh- which are your top, if you had to say like top three exciting markets right now where in you're Canada. like, huh, this looks interesting. From the metrics that you guys use to analyze deals, like what, what makes like based on your real estate philosophy? I'd say from a cash flow and barrier to entry standpoint, we'd, we'd, we look at, to help a lot of beginner investors, right? And I think barrier to entry and cash flow are two extremely important things. Edmonton, Saskatoon, Moncton, maybe. I don't know. I mean, Moncton's probably like the for me. I think the year their year over year price growth. Like, I, like I just don't know if it's going to stay that high. Like, mm-hmm. I think like I like the market. I actually I just think it should see better prices there at a certain point. I really I do think um, Saskatchewan, like the whole province, probably has a lot of growth ahead of it. Like, there's just so much industry there that we need as a country. Like. I think like the next, the big theme that we're going to see in Canada for the next like 10 years is, I mean, our economy has been housing for the past several decades and it's just, you can't do that forever and we need to diversify the economy and you're starting to see efforts to do that. So I think when you think about things like lithium ion, um, you know, like potash, um, battery metals, commodity metals, stuff like that, like farming, mining, yeah, agriculture, like food, yeah. all these things. I like, I think about getting real estate exposure to things like that. So I think Northern Ontario, I think rural parts, I think a lot of rural markets, a lot of like rural, like, or s- more, I don't know, like removed cities, you know, I think, uh, logistics. So proximity to the U S border, um, that's one of the big reasons that we liked Cornwall and there are other cities in, in, 
Ontario that I like for that reason. But I think Saskatchewan, I, I do like quite a bit. And then I, the other thing that I, I think is kind of interesting is um, I, I do think the Quebec City market is just like, I think it's very inefficiently priced. I think they're like beautiful assets. I think there's a great tourism market. I think there's like a lot of potential for people who want to invest from an Airbnb perspective. I just think the prices are so reasonable there as well. So Sure. Yeah. Hmm. And and maybe last but not least, we got to have a crystal ball question um, before I we move like on to the five wire. Said we're we're flat. We're flat for next. one three five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd agree with Dan that it could it could trade sideways for for years. I also, you know, all the crystal balls that have have been smashed in the last couple of years sure. because who could have predicted you know tripling of interest rates? Who could have predicted? The fall of Credit Suisse, um, you know, the Russian invasion in Ukraine, all, all of this stuff. So, you know, the guy, one, the guy in the fourth turning, the guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. we yeah. all got to read this book. Everyone's got to yeah. read that book. No, I mean, you know, I think anyone's guess is as good as mine. What, what I say is one, three, five years. If you, if you can find a market that, that hasn't been tapped out or even a market that has been tapped out and you can find opportunities in that market. What's happening overall shouldn't matter. I mean, I know investors that that run their numbers at twelve and fifteen percent, and I don't think we're going to get there on interest rates wise. But if we do, they'll be okay. So yeah. one, three, five years. You know, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. For me, the the investing principles and and the return metrics and your investing philosophy shouldn't change, regardless of of yeah. what happens. Because you know, if anything, the last couple of years has told us that predictions are BS for the most part, right? Yeah, I only I don't even make predictions for the yeah. point of my own investments. Like I do it for fun, like as a commentator and content creator, like cuz it's always nice to be able to go back and say I told you so, but I've been wrong more than <laughs> I've been right. So, like everybody wants to know. It's like I I have no clue. Like it's like what Socrates said, right? Like all that I know is that I don't know or whatever. Some some more profound stuff than I can come up sure. with. But <laughs> the reality is like it, it just I don't know and it doesn't it also doesn't matter. I would my guess would be we'll probably be within 2% of like if you're in a year from now within 2% of where we are today, within three years from now, like I don't see a high growth or fall scenario from here. I yeah. think all the damage has been done. And I think all, all of the um, increases that we've seen are probably like literally just happened in the past month and a half. Right. Yeah. And I think we're back in that seasonal cycle and just sideways for a while healing. Uh, then, right. Th then again, right. I mean, like some things to watch immigration and, and all the, the density policy yeah. changes. Right. So like, if red tape is is removed and and developers are reincentivized and and whatnot and and immigration actually works out the way that everyone's hoping, things could be drastically different on on the positive side. Or you know the red tape stays and um, the million immigrants figure out that Canada might not be a great place to live because there's nowhere to go uh, and they can't afford anywhere and uh, there might be a mass exodus to that. So again, you know who knows? But that's that's all noise at the end of the day. Drown it out and focus on your real estate investing principles. Well, we've got this segment called the five wire, five quick lighthearted questions that we end the show with. Can you stick around for that? I got to You got to run? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the five wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more.
Well, one book you've read recently that you'd recommend, I think I already know Dan's. I got another one I can do. It's yeah, yeah, it's let's, called, let's do the other one. It's called Awareness by Anthony DeMello. It's just like this like Indian Je- Jesuit priest, but it's like a, I don't know, it's almost, almost like a meditation book, but he writes it in like such a way that he's like yelling at you the whole time. Anyway, exceptional <laughs> book. Yeah, it's good. Awareness. Matt's Instagram video. Yeah, awareness, yeah. Yeah, it's like self-awareness. It's a good book. Good book. Yeah, I don't. I, He's sticking with. Uh, I'm sticking with the one that that I got going on right now. And to be honest, you know, I used to be a lot better of a reader. I really just ingest a ton of podcasts these days. Yeah. You know what's right? funny is that Clint Murphy, who's a past guest on this show, said put. So he mentioned the Streaks app. I got the Streaks app where you can put in your goals, and then every day you can say, "I did this goal. I did this goal." He said, "I commit to reading 20 pages a day." And I used to. I genuinely used to read a ton of books. Yeah. And I don't anymore. And I was like, 20, maybe five pages. Right. <laughs> and it's like, I consistently hit all my goals and I'm like, I can't get through five. It's crazy. Yeah. So I always just did it. I was like, let's just, like, I'm just going to tell myself that I'm going to read for a half hour before bed. Cause it's a nice yeah. way to unwind, get rid of your phone, all that stuff. And that doesn't matter. Like you don't need to say how many pages. Just, yeah. like, just do the action, right? A half hour. A half very, hour. Yeah. And then you end up passing out anyway. At least yeah. I do. I'm yeah. like, I put like, I'm there for 15 minutes and I like, I got to set the thing down. If you're, especially right. if you're laying down, but it's an easier way to do it. Maybe. Yeah. Then, then be yeah. counting the pages. Yeah. Huh. I know what you mean with podcasts, though, because I'll start a, like an audio book and then someone tell me about a podcast episode I got to listen to and then I'm derailed, right? So it's well, always... Podcasts uh, are just the best. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I can't even listen to a book anymore. Right? That's what you're saying. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, question number two, Matt. In the last few years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Uh, I think just really surrounding myself with with people that have the same goals that I do. I, I love making friends. I'm a very friendly guy. Um, but as my time has become a lot more valuable, I've really realized that, you know, that, that quote, you are the five people you spend the most time with. That's really started to resonate with me more than ever before in my life. So, you know, like diving fully into that and, and not to say that, you know, I don't see old friends anymore. I just see them less. Everyone's getting older. Everyone's getting busy, really focusing on, on true, real meaningful relationships I think has been huge. I think about that one a lot as well. I feel like it's something that comes up kind of monthly is like just taking almost inventory of who you're spending your time with. Right. And Mm -hmm. what, and what the, you know, not that you need an ROI on everything and and ROI might not be the right word, but, but you know, it should be a, you should be getting as much as you're giving from, from those relationships. Right. Yeah. I think for me, like just, and it almost sounds cheesy to like say it, but going from like a mindset of, uh, of scarcity to abundance, right? Like just like realizing that I don't have to like do everything and and have everything and monetize everything. It's just like, you know, there are opportunities that we've had through the podcast. It's like bring somebody else in, right? It's opportunities that we have to invest. It's like, you can share that with other people. Like if you, you know, if you're, if you don't have enough pie, like rather than trying to cut it up for all the people, just make another make, fucking pie. Make, like yeah. <laughs> make you know? more pie. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So yeah. yeah. Uh, what have you been binge watching lately or a movie recommendation? Uh, I just started watching Vanderpump Rules with my girlfriend. It's, it's not, it's not that good. No, and she probably won't listen to this podcast. She'll never hear me say, I, I don't really, it's unfortunate. I don't watch a lot of, yeah. TV and stuff anymore. Um, and their pump rules. You haven't heard of this? No, oh, it's man. like an offshoot don't, don't from like even, the real. Do I don't know. This is not the appropriate recommendation. No, it's a bad <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a reality be, TV. It's show. Supposed to be a joke, but it obviously did oh, not land. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got the joke. It was an invitation for me to cheer. There you go. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a bad one. But it's, it's just <laughs> funny because like we were going through cameos yesterday. It's my my girlfriend's birthday is coming up, so I bought her a bunch of like cam- you, know, you guys know what this is like cameo. Is where you get, get the famous like, people to do. To, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I got a bunch from like a ninety day fiance. Like, and it's oh, uh, yeah, it's hilarious. But anyway, no, that's not what I've been watching. I uh, Billions is like a show that I just started watching recently. Oh, yeah. and it's pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, With, yeah, uh, it is good. What's his name? Gia awesome. Jamadi. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that guy in New York once. Succession's also another. Yeah, I didn't like that one that much. No. I tend to like just, it's bad. I just watch business type shows. Yeah, same. Like always, I've watched every business documentary though. Like every single one. Like Dirty Money on Netflix is like really good if you like, like, it's like true crime, but like business. I've probably watched The Big Short twice recently. You're you're a product of your five favorite business uh, Uh, TV (laughs) And Vanderpump Rules. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Matt. Favorite band or music? Uh, I almost exclusively listen to classic rock. I've actually, this is a plug. I've built probably the best playlist ever called for the old boys on Spotify. It's got, I think almost a hundred likes. It's like 47 hours of music. If you like classic rock, do yourself a favor and go down. Nick Hill, that. I feel like you could be in a classic rock band. I was going to say, rock, you might have been rock. born in the wrong, born in the wrong yeah. time travel. Real estate was a lot cheaper in the seventies yeah. too. I wish we could go back, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, and I'm gonna plug my yacht rock mix on uh, Spotify. <laughs> this is better. That's how we're monetizing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, I think my favorite band would either be the Eagles or like a, a Florida pop punk band called uh, A Day to Remember. Do you, do you guys know them? No. no. Is that like a '90s or, or no, maybe like 2000s, early? Yeah, early 2000s. Like, like 2000s. Yeah, kind of almost I'm, I'm almost emo. Is yeah, that, yeah, like yeah? Like, uh, like okay. hardcore punk. Yeah, kind of. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'm. Dan yeah. and I were both skater guys back yeah, in the day. We we were too, yeah. but I feel like a decade we're, earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a decade at least. Uh, and last but not least, something that you've purchased for under fifteen hundred dollars that's uh, had a positive impact on your life. So, you know, like when you go to a chiropractor and they put those like electrode things on your back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can buy those. The, the ones house. that almost feel like rubber yeah. bands being snapped on you. Like the Yeah. 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 yeah just like had a, that done. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You so, can, yeah, you buy it. Like, and I just put them on my back. I have like really bad back pain from a car accident like years ago. And uh, I just, my, my girlfriend actually bought it, but she put like, and you put them on my back like a couple times a, a day even. And it just like clears everything up. That's incredible. I just literally had that done for the first time like Did two you, weeks yeah. ago. Hey, yeah, hey you buy it for your house. Huh. And Nick? Uh, a podcast microphone. Yeah. Definitely a life changer. And uh, outside of that, uh, a, a bike. I grew up mountain biking here and kind of kind of dropped that for several years and living in Ontario. But I get a lot of peace and tranquility through through walking and, and, and going on bike rides. So major thing for me where I listen to podcasts. Right Very on, nice. Yeah. Well, how can people uh, find out more about what you guys are up to? I think the reason we named our podcast, you guys did this too, right? Like if you want to know about our podcast, just type the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. It's yeah. very SEO friendly, right? Yeah, sure. Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Yeah, there you go. You can't even trademark it. Yeah, that's good though. That means it's a good name. Seriously. It's so logical that like you don't even need a brand name. So that's uh, on Spotify or, or yeah, Apple, Apple or wherever you, get your wherever you get your podcast. And you have a good yeah. website as well. Do we? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah the, the website. Network. The website's not that good, but we're working on on some bigger, better things with uh, a website, a forum, um, some prop tech stuff that we're bringing into. So yeah, lots of uh, lots of exciting stuff coming in the next couple months. Fantastic! Very well, cool. Thank you so much for taking the time today, guys. It was great to uh, have you in the studio. Yeah, thanks yeah, for like having awesome. us, fellas. Thanks. Thanks. 
So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Nick Hill and Daniel Foch from the Canadian Real Estate Investor. Yeah, Matt. Great having uh, those guys on the show. A lot of should say the Canadian Real Estate Investor podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, you'll find it. It's it's. I feel I feel like it's uh, they're they're ranking really high. They're doing really well. Yeah, they're doing. They've only been around for a while, as they discussed eight months, eight eight, or nine nine months. But they're uh, they're taking the podcast space by storm. I am uh, really surprised at the two episodes a week. I don't know how. I don't know how you do that. That's a lot of. Uh, that's a lot of work, <laughs> and especially with the research component that they're putting into it. They're uh, and and also, I mean, they're also doing social media. It's it's right. an amazing thing. They. I don't think either of them have kids. That's I think true. Yeah, I think that's uh, the big differentiator here on this show. But anyways, Matt, what else do we got before we cut for the day? What else do we have? We have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our new website where all things real estate related live. It's easy to search. The feedback has been a lot of people are finding it really great to navigate. Tons of useful information you can sort by investing, selling, whatever you're looking for. We also have the live wire there, of course. This is our weekly mailer with stats, deal of the month, VIP presale access. We have... The sold plan, sell with us. We also have, of course, tried and true private client services. Yeah, man, because if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips over at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. All you got to do is click the buy with us button. And That's right. uh, it's going to take you to set up your own free PCS account. What a time to have PCS as the market is picking up here. I also want to just quickly say we are doing a lot more on Instagram. A lot of positive feedback, lots of videos, lots of content being produced on Instagram. So definitely check us out. I'm now getting in the habit of just adding stories. Me I'm as well. A lot more stories. And we're going to be talking about upcoming episodes. We've done a few polls. Uh, we've given away some t-shirts. Uh, we're going to be giving away some new totes. So this is oh, all yeah. super exciting. Totes. Uh, yeah, totes. <laughs> um, and, uh, and Matt, how can people get in touch with you? You can try me at any time, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Well, have a great week, guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week with a phenomenal oh, guest. Oh, yeah. We, we got just Andrew plug List this from, uh, from the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver. He is uh, an economist by trade, but he's also the Director of Economics and Data Analytics and Man, this show was uh, one of my favorite so far. He, 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 it's interesting. Year. Andrew said, I see things a little differently. And then you asked him, you said, we had a How? totally different and it was show. a totally different conversation than I was expecting. Different, different conversation than we've ever had on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Lots of huge takeaways. Join us next week. Can't wait. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.